Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time at WGN. Yeah, we started here in the 90s. I produced Bob Collins and Roy Leonard. And I produced Spike and Cochran. So we spent our 20s as wing women for each other. And it didn't work out very well. But then it did. And we found the right guys and we stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other. And we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look which brings us to this podcast. We want to talk about topics that intrigue us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average. We're not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we already have. So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they and take a look. So apparently, we have another thing to worry about, Anne, with our middle schoolers and high schoolers. What? Have you heard of kids vaping? I Now, I've heard of grown-ups vaping, but I haven't heard much of kids vaping. Oh, yes. So vaping is a huge deal right now. I've read tons of articles about it. In fact, I was out with a bunch of moms last night. We were sitting in the backyard of fire pit, and they were talking about kids are vaping in class in what? high school. And they're getting away with it well so no, I, I read somewhere that they that these things are disguised as like usb like little jump drives or thumb drives or mm-hmm. whatever so kids can walk around with them in plain sight y- yes but you're saying they're actually vaping in class yes it's vaping is um yeah we should explain what that is <laughs> vaping is basically like an e-cigarette okay and um it's like steam right it feels like or like it's like a a gas but it's not smoke So does it smell? Well, they come in all kinds of flavors. I've seen ads for it. They, you know, cucumber or blueberry or whatever flavors. And um, I don't know if that's adding to the appeal, but I was reading somewhere that um, the Surgeon General says there's been a 900% spike in the use of e-cigarettes by high school students. And that for high school and middle school students, it's tripled since 2011. Tripled the amount of students that are vaping. And it's so mind-boggling to me because if you ask my kids whether smoking is good or bad, they know that smoking cigarettes is bad. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I just don't understand how this is possibly happening and becoming a thing in our school and with these kids that they think it's okay to vape. Well, I wonder if the message has been, because I know a bunch of adults who smoked who went to e-cigarettes because the idea was it's better for you than smoking. Now, I'm not sure that's even true, but the idea was... I quit smoking. I still have this e-cigarette, but it's not as bad as smoking. And I wonder if the kids are looking at that and saying, oh, vaping isn't bad because the message is it's not smoking. It's not bad, right? So they're not getting the message that nicotine is nicotine and it's not good for you and whatever else is in there, right? I, You know, as we've always, the premise of this whole thing is that we're just average parents and we don't know any better. Right. So I decided to call an expert. Okay, good. And uh, Matt Quinn is a counselor uh, affiliated with Rosecrans Health Network out in the western suburbs of Chicago. He's been counseling teens, couples, and families for the last 15 years. He's also a certified alcohol and drug counselor in Illinois. Matt. Good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you're welcome. So, so Matt, what 
What exactly is vaping? So I was hearing you guys talk a little bit about it there. I think just the term vaping, therein lies a lot of the problems that we're seeing with it. Because really what vaping is, is it's short for vaporizing, which is it's heating a chemical up to a point where it's releasing, it's releasing chemicals, but not to the point where it's being combusted or, or lit on fire. And I think when you, when you hear that term vaping, you associate it with the term vapor. And when most people hear the term vapor, and I've, I've brought this up to many parents, many, many students, the first thing that gets brought up when they hear the term vapor is they think of like a humidifier. Yeah. <laughs> and Humidifier, good. Of, and when you think of a humidifier, you think of holding your head over to a humidifier, and that sounds completely harmless. It's like a steam shower. Which, which it would be. I mean, if you had a cold or you were congested, it would help to, to break that up. So in, in some ways, it's a, good, it's a good thing, right? Right. But the problem is the, the chemicals that are released in these devices is much more of an aerosol. Like in terms of the amount of chemicals and the consistency of it, it's much more like what would come out of a, a can of hairspray or Ugh. like a Febreze. But you don't hear the term aerosoling. No, no. So, or Febrezing. So, that doesn't sound sassy. Yeah. No, so, so then you combine that with the fact that they're flavored, and you mentioned that, uh, you know, cool mint, creme brulee, there's, there's thousands of flavors. So you have kids thinking of this idea of vapor, humidifier, and then you have cool mints. What else is mint? You know, gum, mints, toothpaste. Again, it's, it's, you start to see how young people could be lured into it when you have even just that term is, is misleading. So what do they all look the same? Is it the no, devices? There's, there's a huge there's a huge variability in what they look like. When they first came out uh, about 10, 15 years ago, uh, a lot of them initially looked kind of like cigarettes, uh, and they would even the end of the e-cigarette would kind of glow when yeah. it, when it, when you inhaled it to kind of look like a cigarette. And I think um, that was designed because I have friends who used it because they liked that sensation of seeing the thing light up. Right. It felt exactly. just like the cigarette, right? Right. So they were able to hold on to a lot of the ritual, but, but eliminating some of the, the carcinogens that come along simply with something being lit on fire. Because um, there, are, there are some carcinogens that are removed because it's not fire. But the problem is there's still many, many chemicals in the in these devices um there's also some that look bigger and you might see sometimes adults uh you use these and you might look over a car or look on the street where it's a, a bigger device kind of a, i've like seen a them metal device yeah that's what's that's what's called a mod which is short for modest it's a, basically a modified battery it's a bigger souped up battery what it does is it's able to produce a bigger cloud of uh, vapor or aerosol i should probably call it that if i'm going to be accurate um, but I just use the term vapor because that's what other people use. Um, but it, it, it's a souped-up battery, so it's able to produce a bigger cloud of vapor, a bigger cloud of smoke, a bigger hit of nicotine. But you're not seeing that really as much with with younger kids for obvious reasons because it's not very discreet. The ones you're seeing now, and, the, and this is the, the big reason why the landscape has changed so much over the past year or so, is because these devices now are incredibly dis- discreet. You were describing um, the probably the device that has the biggest market share called the Jewel, which look, it really, literally does look like a longer flash drive or jump drive. Mm-hmm. And then you have other devices. They're all very small, very sleek, very kind of elegant looking. But the big thing is they're very small, very discreet, easy to hide. And so when you combine that with the, the, and the lure of the flavorings and the term vapor, you see this kind of perfect storm coming together and why it's become 
such a huge problem. I work with probably 30 schools in the western suburbs very closely, and it's pretty universal. The staff from the schools will say to me, they say, well, you know, this is a huge problem at our school, and I kind of reassure them. I say, you know, honestly, this is really a huge problem almost at every school I've, I've been working with. Uh, and, and a lot of it has to do with this kind of perfect storm of how sleek, discreet, the flavors. Um, it's just, unfortunately, it's kind of the, the it thing to do nowadays. What makes it even more difficult is that um, many districts, technology is a, a huge thing, and kids are having Chromebooks and stuff. So it's, like, not unheard of to see, a, like... If I didn't know any better, I'd be like, oh, that's your class projects on that flash drive and your teacher gave it to you. Like it looks it looks completely like um, something you would save your work on, your homework on. So yeah, a lot bl- of schools have been, I've heard they've, they've been in the lost and found box, box. You see cell phones and eyeglasses, but then you also see these uh, jewel devices because they can't, they don't know the difference. Or I've heard oh, staff members say, oh, I've seen one of those. I saw one of those laying on the ground. You know, and they thought it was just somebody's, you know, somebody had misplaced their... Classwork? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, exactly. And they were, you know, they were saying, oh, no, you know, they're, gonna, they're not going to have their classwork the next day. Meet lo and behold, it's a, you know, it's a vaping device. <laughs> Meanwhile, some teen is somewhere going, oh, no, I don't have my yeah, vaporizer. Yeah, $50, $50, $50 down the drain. Yeah. Now is that, that how I was going to ask? Is it expensive? So... So that device, because that's a question I commonly get, so I, I, I always kind of preempt it by throwing the, the, the prices out there. So the Jewel is about $50. That's kind of the going rate. And like I said, that has probably anywhere from 55 to 60% of the market share with, with younger with younger teens. And then the rest of it's kind of divided up among a, a couple of, a few other products. We see a lot of something called the Sorin, S-U-O-R-I-N. Uh, that one's grown in popularity this year. Uh, it almost looks like a... It's kind of hard to describe over the phone, but it, it kind of looks like almost like a credit card as an older version. And then the newer version almost looks like a, it's like teardrop shaped. It almost looks like a highlighter. Uh, and that's $20 and it's cheaper because it comes empty. And I think that's why it's grown in popularity is that some kids will get containers of what they call e-juice, which is like uh, nicotine liquid. And then they could re- with a dropper, they could refill this device over and over and over again, much, much cheaper over the long run than, than the Jewel, which has cartridges that have to be replaced um, once, once you use it up. And each, each Juul cartridge is about a pack of cigarettes or about 200, uh, you know, inhale, inhales of, the, of wow. the, uh, the vapor. And how much do the cartridges cost? The Did cartridges, you... is, it's $15 for a four-pack. Wow, that's not even so expensive. It, so if you're a heavy user, that cost, you know, that cost for a younger person can add up pretty quickly. And that's why among some of the heavier users, the kid that use more regularly, you're starting to see more of that. That Soren product. There's another product called the Fix PHIX, which it looks a lot like the the Jewel. Uh, it's, it's a it's a competing product, uh, very very similar looking. It's that's thirty five dollars. Same idea, replacement cartridges. I've heard from kids that say that it's it's kind of like a, a Jewel on steroids. It's a stronger battery, uh, a bigger bigger hit of nicotine. So that's really how they're trying to compete is a little bit of a lower price point and, and a stronger hit. Uh, because every you know in, in that market, everybody's seen how successful Jewel has been. So you're seeing product, uh, companies that are trying to compete with uh, with those products, and I think you're going to see you're going to see quickly see more down the road too. Well, Matt, you mentioned this e-juice, and uh, something I came across talked about marketers who are marketing to kids, and I mean kids like children younger than six. Uh, between 2012 and 2017, there were more than 8,200 e-cigarette and liquid nicotine exposures among children younger than six. And that's because, yeah, these 
products are called One Mad Hit Juice Box, which resembles mm-hmm. apple juice boxes. There's Vape Heads Sour Smurf Sauce, which represent uh, which re- resembles Warheads candy. And there's Whipped Strawberry, which looks like Ready Whip Topping. And so people are buying this stuff, and then the little ones are getting them. There's one that comes with a lollipop. So yeah, and and here's and I always like to mention this. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but not at all. Um, there's the, the you know I always talk about the explicit marketing versus the implicit marketing. So, for instance, on this on the replacement cartridges for this jewel device, it says very clearly on the top. It says uh, adult alternative to smoking. It says so. You have the explicit, and this is how this we mentioned this. This is how this whole industry started was with this idea of it be being an alternative to smoking, right? Which, which on the surface doesn't it sounds it sounds good. So that's so any spokesperson they they could point to the box and say, well, this is this is meant to be an alternative to smoking, you know, as a way to get somebody to to you know to remove those carcinogens and maybe even step down to nothing afterward. It sounds good, but but then there's the implied marketing again. Let's, when you name those flavors, there's flavors that you know that that are named like you know sugar cereals and you know. And so creme brulee, mint, all of the you know, mango. So, and then you have how, how sleek they are, how small they are. So the, the implied market is very clear if you really read between the lines in, to, in terms of who, who the tobacco industry or, or even in some cases some of these devices, the marijuana industry, are, are really targeting young people because they know this is true of alcohol, marijuana, cigarettes, whatever the case may be, that in order to get a lifelong customer, you've got to get somebody using before the age of 18. All the research, there's many, many studies that have been replicated showing that in order to get somebody addicted or hooked to something, you have to get them using before the age of 18. And all of the, all these companies know that. So the implied market is very clear because they know if they're going to make money and get somebody hooked as a lifelong customer, they have to really target people that are under the age of 18. Yeah, I read, Matt, that if a young person starts vaping between the ages of 12 and 17, that person's up to four to five times more likely to begin smoking traditional cigarettes. And not only that, but then that person is at much higher risk to progress into other things. You know, it, they can progress to marijuana and then progress to pills, other drugs, uh, even it, it just you know heavy, heavy alcohol use. Um, so it's not just, it's not just the, and that's true, that the fact of it, it, it being a smoking cessation, there's really not a lot of good research indicating that that's true. If anything, it increases the chance of, of a kid, because what will happen is the, the kid will, the teen will build a tolerance to it. Right. And then, and then they'll, they'll seek something else out. And when they have a cigarette, because it does have those other carcinogens, it does, it, it'll be a little bit more of a boost. Mm-hmm. And so they are more, they're more likely than the transition, transition into that. So kids, I mean, generally speaking, I, I think kids know that cigarettes are not good for you. Right. Uh, maybe I'm naive, but that I feel my kids say that if they see somebody smoking, oh my gosh, why are they doing, you know, why are they smoking when they know it's bad for them? So wh- why this? I don't get it. I'm- yeah. So it's, so there's that, again, that misleading term vapor, you know, the humidifier piece, but then there's also the idea that there's really not a lot of regulation of these devices. So you have, you have this huge lack of information out there. I used, I initially was using a term misinformation, but then I thought about it. And I realized that there's not a lot of misinformation. There's a lack of information. But if you do a little bit of digging, there's some research out there. Harvard did a great study where they looked at some of the most popular vaping devices and found that there's still a lot of carcinogens, not only with the, with the, you know, the liquids, the, the substances that deliver the nicotine, but also the flavoring agents themselves have a lot, a lot of carcinogens. But this information is not getting to kids in terms of all these chem, chemicals that are still in there. 
because kids are jumping from, okay, it's not smoke, it's vapor, so it must be harmless, not realizing that there's still, there's still dozens of chemicals in there. Even though there are some that have been removed, there's still a lot in there, but that information isn't getting out there because there isn't, there isn't much regulation on the FDA's part of these devices. So they're, they're not, they're not having to release or publish all those chemicals that are in these devices like the, like the cigarette industry had to do. Um, which really helped with starting to really ca- cause a decrease in cigarette use. That That's not happening right now. So it's really, really the wild, wild west when you talk about lack of regulation, lack of information of the, of the chemicals, the term vapor, the flavor, you know, the flavoring, how discreet it is. You know, and I haven't, I haven't even talked about the impact of nicotine and, and, and if it's a marijuana vape, the impact of that on, on brain development. That's, there's a, a huge growing body of research in terms of what these what, what these drugs like nicotine, alcohol, marijuana, what they do to the developing brain, which isn't fully developed until the mid mid or, mid or late twenties, and right. so and then the, and then on top of that, you have the incredibly addictive nature of nicotine itself. It's one of the most addictive drugs out there. So you have this, you have all of these factors that are piling up, and I think that that perfect storm is coming together, and that's why you see why you're seeing such a huge jump over the past year or two in in, in teen use of these devices. Now, can you smell the vapor or the aerosol, if you will? You know, I hear I hear from kids, I hear from school staff. Not really would be probably the, the most accurate answer. Um, if it's flavored, I've heard if there's enough of the vapor, if enough kids are doing it, you might smell a little bit of a sweet smell. Um, but even with the marijuana vapes that are out there, you're not going to really get much of that traditional smell that you would get with it. It's a lot. Most of that smell has been removed, and that's why you're seeing kids that are doing these things in bathrooms and, and even so bold as to do it in class because it's, there's this little tiny little puff of vapor that dissipates very quickly where kids are, are blowing it down their, you know, doing it, blowing down their shirt in class. That's what I've heard. In the back, you know, and even as being so bold as to do it down the hall, you know, they put it up their sleeve and, and then they just, you know, blow it down their shirt because it's so discreet that kids are getting really bold about how they, how they use it. It's so just so difficult to detect either, either visually or, you know, by, by smell, you just can't count on, you know, the smelly clothes and all those things that parents and schools would rely on to catch somebody. You just can't, you're not getting that anymore. It's really slippery. That's what I, I'm really blown away. And again, and I'm, I can be naive, but I, I just literally don't understand the bravado of these kids doing it in class, like without mm-hmm. not, not worrying that they're going to get busted. I don't understand how that's possible. Well, it, 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 if you think of it this way, and this is, you know, a little insight into, you know, teenagers is that, Typically, they're going to push, they're going to push, they're going to push that boundary. And, and they probably didn't start by doing it in class. They probably started by doing it in somebody's house, and then they did it in the bathrooms at school. And they realized very quickly how, how it's like, there's no way that it doesn't smell. It, so it's it, in their mind, they're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get caught. And then they start to push it, and they start to push it, and they're, and they're not getting caught because of how discreet it is. And that's how I think it gets to that end point where they're, uh, you know, and it could be a bravado thing, you know, it's. Well, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's even a game that I've heard from kids called ping pong where two kids in, in, in the class will each have a vape, and it's like this challenge where one kid will do it, and it's kind of like, okay, now you've got to do it and get away with it, and that's been a ping pong kind of back and forth. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it could be a, you know, a bravado thing trying to... Well, it's part of the attraction, right? You know, right, exactly. it's really about rebelling. Yep. So, okay, Matt... Um, for me, having these tough conversations, so I have a sixth grader and a fourth grader, and, you know, sometimes I worry about whether I'm behind the curve or being proactive talking about it, because my oldest, um, you know, might not know about it, and 
if I'm talking to her about it, am I like planting the seed? I, I, that may sound stupid, but do you know what I'm saying? Like how to talk about it or when's the right time to talk about it? It might not have been anything she's ever heard of, seen, would ever be interested in doing. And so sometimes I wonder if I should just not say anything because maybe she won't. Or is it better to like come out and say, here's what's going on out there and making them aware about it? Yeah, I think you could keep it general. And I think, you know, a couple of tips that I would have would be always, you know, talking about, you know, asking questions about the friends and and asking what they're getting into, what they're interested in, because that's, you know, kids are are much more likely to reveal and be honest about what their friends are starting to do than than out themselves or get themselves in trouble. Yeah, yeah, that's Um, like when I'm asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, or, or just, you know, or just asking what their friends are doing. Hey, are they, are you are you seeing this with any of your friends? Are you seeing are any of them talking about drinking and even talking about these vaping devices? And if they're saying if they're saying, Yeah, I'm hearing about it, I'm seeing it, then you get to kind of push them. My my angle with my kids, my kids are younger, my oldest is nine and we were just talking about this uh, I was just talking about this with her on Friday. More so in terms of alcohol. But this idea of brain development, really that's kind of my cornerstone seed that I'm trying to plant with her, you know, and, and I will with my other kids, which is any, any of these things, whether it's alcohol or it's nicotine, marijuana, it's that, you know, if you're using these things as a teenager, you're really damaging your brain, you know, and, and, and without, at this point, really getting into the specifics of, of what that is, you know, that's really setting a precedent for what kind of boundary you're going to set when you say, hey, it's, you know, kids that are using these things are really, really hurting their brain development and really hurting, you know, their, their chance for future success by, by drinking or using these devices. You know, I think if you don't have any suspicion that, that there's any use, I think you could still keep it general at that point. You know, obviously, if, if you're concerned about it, their friends start doing it, then you have to kind of step it up a little bit, maybe in terms of monitoring and maybe getting into a little bit more detail with some of that education. What should we be looking for, Matt, in terms of, you know, what would be a sign that a kid is vaping? Are there any sort of telltale? That's the, that's the tricky thing, is that, with especially with the nicotine devices, you're not going to get as much telltale signs because of the fact it's not like for instance if a kid uses a marijuana vape they're still going to get the red eyes the you know they're going to slow motor motor coordination fluid reaction you still see some of the traditional signs that you would see with that whereas with the nicotine you're not going to get a lot of that if it's if it's a kid that's not used to using one you might get a little bit they might get a little jittery or kind of fit me fidgeting a little bit because of that effect of that nicotine that they're not used to but if it's a kid that's that's used to the nicotine, does it regularly? It's it's it could be virtually impossible to pick up on, you know, the symptoms of it. What you'll start to see though is they'll start getting in trouble. They'll start using it, you know, in risky ways. They'll keep using it even if they. So you have to kind of, unfortunately, it could be hard to pick it up early. But you'll start to see some of the addictive behaviors too. Your parents will catch, you know, find one in the room or those types of things. But unfortunately, by that point, it's already sometimes started to progress a little bit. So is it equivalent to? A pack of cigarettes? Like, what? what is it equivalent to? Yeah, so using Juul is, is the example. That's kind of the, like I said, that's kind of the, the, the standard at this point, the most popular device. The, the, the cartridge is about a pack of cigarettes. Each one of those cartridges is about a pack of cigarettes. So we have some kids we work with that are going through those cartridges once every couple days. And you think about how much nicotine they're ingesting. That's, that's, that's about the equivalent. So about, so about 200, 200. Um, hits hits from each of those cartridges. Is it um, is vaping these e-cigarettes the the nicotine? Is it um, lead the way to marijuana, or is it? Is it, it depends. You know, it depends on the risk factors. 
it depends on frequency of use. For instance, if it's a teen that has a family history of, you know, alcoholism or other substance use disorders, and if there's co-occurring mental health issues or a history of trauma, then that's that's a teen. If they start using these things particularly heavily, then that's a that's a teen that's very very much at risk to progress to other things. If if it's a kid that you doesn't you know doesn't own one and, and is just trying somebody's every once in a while doesn't have that family history doesn't have mental health issues less of a risk but it's still going to be harmful uh, in terms of those chemicals that are in their brain development even if they're using it a little bit but the, it really depends on those character those typical risk factors in terms of determining whether they would be at risk to progress to other things. So Matt, what if we find one of these devices? And know that our it's in our kid's room, and we so we know we're tying it back to the kid. How do you approach your child? When so what I would suggest doing is is sitting down, you know, with them, and and explaining. Okay, we found this. We know what it is, and hopefully, you know, hopefully, it, there's you know, there's been some ground groundwork set in terms of rules, house rules, no drug or, or alcohol use. But you know, even if there hasn't, it's, it's a, a perfect time to start with the education in terms of. You know, we're going to take this device, and, and you know, we're we're not going to allow you to use this. And here's why. Um, and then and then enforce enforcement. If that means, you know, having to do periodic drug tests or or to, or to search the room and those types of things. I know that sounds like a lot, but I always tell parents, just based on my my work, that it's better to feel like you're overreacting a little bit than than underreacting, because then if you if you set that boundary then there's a better chance. All the research shows that one of the, the biggest deterrents kids have in terms of not using drugs or alcohol is they don't want to disappoint their parents. But if you think about the only way that they're going to know if they're going to disappoint their parents is if there's been expectations set. If, if there hasn't been any expectations set, then they might, they might say, well, I don't know if this is going to disappoint my parents, so they might push forward. Versus if they know, okay, I know if I do this and I get caught, my parents have you know, upset that, boundary and they've explained to me why they've laid the foundation you know in terms of the research and the, and the education they're much less likely to use because they don't want to disappoint their parents even though all the signals they're sending their parents in terms of their attitude sometimes and all that is saying that they don't care about you know they don't care what their parents think and blah 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 but really deep down they still do care and they they, they don't want to disappoint their parents right um, I've read some articles where um, kids have bragged about it, using it in class on Twitter and other social media and stuff. Are those, are they, like, what, what would some motivator for that? Like, is that to get caught? Like, why would you do that? Why would you brag well, about I think, it? Yeah, I think with teens, there's all, in terms of the teenage de- decision making, you know, that, you know, that sort of that front part of the brain, that the, the prefrontal cortex is the last part to, to develop, you know, and so I think you You'll see even well-adjusted. You'll see even well-adjusted, good student. You know, good kids that that make boneheaded decisions just because of that brain development. <laughs> so, you know that that idea of not thinking things through, not thinking the potential consequences. I think in that situation with, where they're sharing it with the world, I don't think they're they're trying to. I certainly don't think they're trying to get caught. I think it's just a way to try to boost their, you know, for people to perceive them as being bold and, and assertive and rebellious and. Cool. You know, correct. Exactly. And, and I don't think they're thinking that through in terms of who might see that or them getting caught. That's that lack of wisdom or judgment or start thinking things through when they're doing that. So, Matt, there's a school in Lake Forest, or I guess Lake Forest superintendent of all schools has issued, um, if a kid gets caught vaping, law enforcement is called in. 
And so, therefore, it becomes a citation that goes on the kid's record. And the superintendent says that the vaping incidence has gone way down. Um, what mm-hmm. do you what do you suggest for schools? Because um, we were just talking about a friend who's a teacher, and he's not allowed to interrupt a kid who's vaping. He has to call the principal, who calls someone else, who sends someone in to catch the kid. You know, because there's a process. What do you suggest for s- schools, for teachers, for administrators to stop this this sort of ridiculous uh, pattern? I, I agree with getting, 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 you know, if it's the school resource officer, getting the police involved. I'm certainly not necessarily the advocate of it getting on the record, but, um, you know, in, in terms of there being significant consequences, community service, a fine, uh, it has to be impactful or else, especially with how discreet these, these things are, if a kid is getting caught and, and word of mouth spreads that, well, nothing really happened, then there's, I mean, exactly. there's no way this is going to, this is going to turn around, but if kids start to hear, oh my gosh, he like he did this and got caught, and he had ended up, ended up doing twenty hours of community service and had to pay a hundred dollar fine, I, I certainly endorse those things. But I, you know, kids kids make bad decisions. They do, and so I don't know if something like this, you know, I want to see on a kid's permanent record. Um, but at the same time, I think there needs to be some, you know, what I call consequences with with teeth, in order for for uh, for it to start to turn around. But I also think it, it's going to take. You know, I think it also is going to take regulation to really start to step up because cigarettes can't be flavored. They can't be the advertising for cigarettes is not legal. Um, you know, they had to publish their all of their the chemicals in their in their cigarettes. But yet, at the same time, with these devices, they're flavored. They're advertised. Advertising is allowed. Um, so I think a key piece to this is that there be more federal, you know, state, uh, just more stricter regulations to to try to curb teen use. But I, I do agree. I think there needs to be significant consequences for, for that to be kind of an, a, a one arm of trying to get this turned around. But meanwhile, as parents, we we need to just be talking to our, our kids and saying, it's bad for you. It's going to hurt your brain. Don't try it. And if you have tried it, stop it and just kind of have to hope that the communication works. Yeah. And, and you know, pointing, point, pointing also to the risk of developing a more, you know, significant drug problem if you start using, you know, ages 12 to 17. Um, but, but I think what, what happens sometimes, though, is parents, they do that education, and then they keep falling back to the education, giving their kids articles to read, which is great if it's new information. But at some point, the education has to kind of start to put a, be put on the back burner, and it has to be really more so about the boundaries and, and the enforcement of those boundaries. Because what, what parents sometimes will do is they'll continue to give their kids articles, give them articles, Meantime, they're throwing the articles in the garbage. Yeah, continuing to do, you know, continuing to do what they're doing. So at some point, the education has to. I don't want to say stop, but that you know, you can't the same the same message over and over and over again. It's going to start to fall on deaf ears. It has to be about very very clear expectations, boundaries, consequences. Uh, that's really that's really what'll shape the behavior, especially if it's starting. Yeah, and I think that's um, it's all about parent education because they, these things are so innocuously like you just don't even just something that kids have in their backpacks for school with their mm-hmm. chromebooks and you would you would never know i looked at these pictures i'm like i would never have guessed that that's what it was i'm gonna go through my kid's backpack and try to <laughs> inhale every single thumb drive and see if any of them works <laughs> i don't know if, I, don't know if I, I don't know if i'd do that if i were you the other thing with these devices is that a traditional i've heard this from a lot of deans and school resource officers is that 
you know, having them turn out their pocket, searching their, searching their, uh, you know, their backpack. A lot of times in those situations, they're not coming up with anything because these kids are putting them in their socks, they're putting them in their bra, bra straps, they're putting them in their, you know, waistband, their waistband, because they're so light and so small that they know that, you know, if they get searched, they're thinking, okay, if I do get searched, where, they're, you know, where are they going to search? So they're, there's a lot of times they're staying a step ahead of it by, by, by being able to kind of hide it in more discreet places. All right, I take wow. it back. I'm not going to inhale anything <laughs> that was in the backpack. Um, yeah, I certainly, I certainly wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate it. Matt Quinn, a counselor at Rosecrans Health Network in the western suburbs of Chicago with 15 years of counseling with families and teens. I really appreciate uh, your time. Yeah, and if you, don't, if you don't mind real quick, I'd just love to mention that with Rosecrans, we have offices throughout throughout the Chicagoland area residential treatment out out in, in Rockford. So, you know, any any parent, any family that would need an assessment for their teen or even an adult, we'd, we'd be happy to, to set that up and, and get them the appropriate level of care that they would need. And Matt, coincidentally, I did a piece in Rockford years ago about huffing, which was actually inhaling aerosol. And there was a child who was at Rosecrans who was being treated for this, but he was in the, you know, he was staying there to be treated. And this is almost the same thing. It's inhaling something that's terrible for you, but now it seems cool. Yeah, exactly. But again, a lot of it's rooted in that term, very misleading. Yeah. You know, when you hear the term vapor, uh, it's it's already heading down that road to making it sound uh, not too harmful. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, you're welcome. Have Appreciate a good day. It. Take care. All right. All right, Tracer. I, I, it's a lot of information, but I want to say there is one line that he offered us that I think you should feel very good about when he says it's better to overreact than to underreact because that's you (laughs) (laughs) hashtag true (laughs) yeah i you know the helicopter parent that i (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's me i'll I'll own and i'll own it yeah i'll own it but yeah sometimes i just really i don't know with kate i don't know whether to to talk about it or just to let it go or not say anything i don't know either yeah, um, but it was all good information. I'm glad we went to an expert to yes. to get the the real scoop on it. So, yeah. otherwise, this would have been a really bad podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. So we've got we've tackled vaping. That's a scary thought. Maybe next time we'll have something a little happier. Um, but so far, thanks for listening. Yes, thanks for joining us today, and um, we'll be back again with another episode. We make it look easy. We make it look good.